O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. This is Laura Densmore, your host, and I am so glad that you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, November 4th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick for the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Toldot, and it means generations. Genesis 26:30 to 27, 27. Then he made for them a feast, and they ate and drank. Early in the morning they exchanged oaths. Isaac then bade them farewell, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. He named it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took to wife Judith, daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemith, daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were a source of bitterness to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. He answered, Here I am. He said, I am old now, and I do not know how soon I may die. Take your gear, your quiver and bow, and go out into the open and hunt me some game. Then prepare a dish for me, such as I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my innermost blessing before I die. 
Rebekah had been listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau had gone out into the open to hunt game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I overheard your father speaking to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a dish for me to eat, that I may bless you with Hashem's approval before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully as I instruct you. Go to the flock and fetch me two choice kids, and I will make of them a dish for your father, such as he likes. Then take it to your father to eat, in order that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. If my father touches me, I shall appear to him as a trickster, and bring upon myself a curse, not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse, my son, be upon me. Just do as I say, and go fetch them for me. He got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared a dish such as his father liked. Rebekah then took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were there in the house, and had her younger son Jacob put them on. And she covered her hands and the hairless part of his neck with the skins of the kids. Then she put in the hands of her son Jacob the dish and the bread that she had prepared. He went to his father and said, Father, And he said, Yes, which of my sons are you? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Pray sit up and eat of my game, that you may give me your innermost blessing. Isaac said to his son, How did you succeed so quickly, my son? And he said, Because Hashem your God granted me good fortune. Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer, that I may feel you, my son whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob drew close to his father Isaac, who felt him and wondered. The voice is the voice of Jacob, yet the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like those of his brother Esau, and so he blessed him. He asked, Are you really my son Esau? And when he said, I am, he said, Serve me and let me eat of my son's game, that I may give you my innermost blessing. So he served him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come close and kiss me, my son. And he went up and kissed him, and he smelled his clothes, and he blessed him, saying, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the fields that Hashem has blessed. May Hashem give you of the dew of heaven and the fat of the earth, abundance of new grain and wine, Let peoples serve you, and nations bow to you. Be master over your brothers, and let your mother's sons bow to you. Cursed be they who curse you, blessed they who bless you. No sooner had Jacob left the presence of his father Isaac, after Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, than his brother Esau came back from his hunt. He too had prepared a dish and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father sit up and eat of his son's game, so that you may give me your innermost blessing. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son Esau, your firstborn. Isaac was seized with very violent trembling. Who was it then, he demanded, that hunted game and brought it to me? Moreover, I ate of it before you came, and I blessed him 
Now he must remain blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst into wild and bitter sobbing and said to his father, Bless me too, father. But he answered, Your brother came with guile and took away your blessing. Esau said, Was he then named Jacob, that he might supplant me these two times? First he took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. He added, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered, saying to Esau, But I have made him master over you. I have given him all his brothers for servants and sustained him with grain and wine. What then can I still do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, father? Bless me too, father. And Esau wept aloud. And his father Isaac answered, saying to him, See, your abode shall enjoy the fat of the earth and the dew of heaven above. Yet by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restive, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau harbored a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had given him. And Esau said to himself, Let but the morning period of my father come, and I will kill my brother Jacob. When the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. Now, my son, listen to me. Flee at once to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a while until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will fetch you from there. Let me not lose you both in one day. Rebekah said to Isaac, I am disgusted with my life because of the Hittite woman. If Jacob marries a Hittite woman like these from among the native women, what good will life be to me? So Isaac sent for Jacob and blessed him. He instructed him, saying, You shall not take a wife from among the Canaanite women. Up, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take a wife there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May El Shaddai bless you and make you fertile and numerous, so that you may become an assembly of peoples. May he grant the blessing of Abraham to you and your offspring, that you may possess the land where you are sojourning, which Hashem assigned to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob off, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him off to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, charging him as he blessed him, You shall not take a wife from among the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and gone to Padan Aram, Esau realized that the Canaanite women displeased his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took to wife, in addition to the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, sister of Nebioth. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night, for the sun had set. 
taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream. A stairway was set on the ground, and its top reached to the sky, and angels of God were going up and down on it. And Hashem was standing beside him, and he said, I am Hashem, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The ground on which you are lying I will assign to you and to your offspring. Your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you and your descendants. Remember, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely Hashem is present in this place, and I did not know it. Shaken, he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the abode of Hashem, and that is the gateway to heaven. Early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He named that site Beth-el, but previously the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob then made a vow, saying, If Hashem remains with me, if he protects me on this journey that I am making, and gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safe to my father's house, Hashem shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be Hashem's abode, and of all that you give me I will set aside a tithe for you. Ezekiel 10, 1-11-25 I looked, and on the expanse over the heads of the cherubs there was something like a sapphire stone. An appearance resembling a throne could be seen over them. He spoke to the man clothed in linen, and said, Step inside the wheelwork under the cherubs, and fill your hands with glowing coals from among the cherubs, and scatter them over the city. And he went in as I looked on. Now the cherubs were standing on the south side of the house when the man entered, and the cloud filled the inner court. But when the presence of Hashem moved from the cherubs to the platform of the house, The house was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the radiance of the presence of Hashem. The sound of the cherub's wings could be heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of El Shaddai when he speaks. When he commanded the man dressed in linen, Take fire from among the cherubs within the wheelwork, he went in and stood beside a wheel. And a cherub stretched out his hand among the cherubs to the fire that was among the cherubs. He took some and put it into the hands of him who was clothed in linen, who took it and went out. The cherubs appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. I could see that there were four wheels beside the cherubs, one wheel beside each of the cherubs, as for the appearance of the wheels, 
they gleamed like the barrel stone. In appearance, the four had the same form, as if there were two wheels cutting through each other. And when they moved, each could move in the direction of any of its four quarters. They did not veer as they moved. The cherubs moved in the direction in which one of the heads faced, without turning as they moved. Their entire bodies, backs, hands, and wings, and the wheels and the wheels of the four of them, were covered all over with eyes. It was these wheels that I heard called the wheelwork. Each one had four faces. One was a cherub's face, the second a human face, the third a lion's face, and the fourth an eagle's face. The cherubs ascended. Those were the creatures that I had seen by the Chabar Canal. Whenever the cherubs went, the wheels went beside them, and when the cherubs lifted their wings to ascend from the earth, the wheels did not roll away from their side. When those stood still, these stood still, and when those ascended, these ascended with them, for the spirit of the creatures was in them. Then the presence of Hashem left the platform of the house and stopped above the cherubs. And I saw the cherubs lift their wings and rise from the earth, with the wheels beside them as they departed. And they stopped at the entrance of the eastern gate of the house of Hashem, with the presence of the God of Israel above them. They were the same creatures that I had seen below, the God of Israel as the Chabar Canal. So now I knew that they were cherubs. Each one had four faces and each had four wings, with the form of human hands under the wings. As for the form of their faces, they were the very faces that I had seen by the Chabar Canal, their appearance and their features, and each could move in the direction of any of its faces. Then a spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of Hashem, which faces eastward, and there at the entrance of the gate were twenty-five men, among whom I saw Jazaniah son of Azer, Pelatiah son of Maniah, leaders of the people. Hashem said to me, O mortal, these are the men who plan iniquity and plot wickedness in this city, who say, There is no need now to build houses. This city is the pot, and we are the meat. I adjure you, prophesy against them, prophesy, O mortal. Thereupon the Spirit of Hashem fell upon me, and he said to me, Speak. Thus said Hashem, Such are your thoughts, O house of Israel. I know what comes into your mind. Many have you slain in this city. You have filled its streets with corpses. Assuredly, thus says Hashem, The corpses that you have piled up in it are the meat for which it is the pot, but you shall be taken out of it. You feared the sword, and the sword I will bring upon you, declares Hashem. I will take you out of it and deliver you into the hands of strangers, and I will execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will punish you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am Hashem. This city shall not be a pot for you, nor you the meat in it. I will punish you at the border of Israel. Then you shall know that I am Hashem, whose laws you did not follow, and whose rules you did not obey, acting instead according to the rules of the nations around you. Now as I prophesied, Pelatiah son of Benaiah dropped dead.
I threw myself upon my face and cried out aloud, Ah, Hashem, you are wiping out the remnant of Israel. Then the word of Hashem came to me, O mortal, I will save your brothers, your brothers and the men of your kindred, all of that very house of Israel to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem say, Keep far from Hashem, the land has been given as a heritage to us. Say then, Thus said Hashem, I have indeed removed them far among the nations, and have scattered them among the countries, and I have become to them a diminished sanctity in the countries where they have gone. Yet say, Thus said Hashem, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they shall return there and do away with all its detestable things and all its abominations. I will give them one heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh that they may follow my laws and faithfully observe my rules. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for them whose heart is set upon their detestable things and their abominations, I will repay them for their conduct, declares Hashem. Then the cherubs with the wheels beside them lifted their wings while the presence of the God of Israel rested above them. The presence of Hashem ascended from the midst of the city and stood on the hill east of the city. A spirit carried me away and brought me in a vision by the spirit of Hashem to the exile community in Chaldea. Then the vision I had seen left me, and I told the exiles all the things that Hashem had shown me. Hebrews 6, 1-20 Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, And this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes oft upon it, and brings forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receive blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected, and is near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. 
For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for the confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that with, within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Yeshua made a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 105, 16-36 Moreover he, the Lord, called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of the kings. He spoke, and there came various sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also, and their fig trees, and broke the trees of their coasts. He spoke, and the locusts came, and caterpillars, and that without number, and did eat up all the herbs in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. Proverbs 27, 1 and 2 Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Genesis 26 and 27, and then we're going to jump into Ezekiel. And... I want to begin with the chapter 27 where Rebecca has instructed her son Jacob to pretend to be Esau, to put on some hairy uh, coverings over his hands, 
and to she would prepare the stew for him so that the very special blessing that would be given by Jacob would come upon Jacob, the younger son, and not on Esau, the older son. Now, I believe that Jacob has been much misaligned and misunderstood in the scriptures. He's called a supplanter. He's called a deceiver. You know, he's portrayed as this man who stole the birthright and the blessing. But actually, I think it's really been a misunderstanding. Um, Let's jump into it. In chapter 27, verse 12, Jacob is answering his mother, Rebekah. And he says in verse 11, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. If my father touches me, I shall appear to him as a trickster and bring upon myself a curse, not a blessing. So remember, this is the Melchizedek priesthood blessing. Um, The birthright and the blessing that all is wrapped up in the Melchizedek priesthood role that a person assumes within the family. It used to be that this always fell to the eldest son, but uh, after the golden calf incident, the Melchizedek priesthood um, role was sort of shelved and set off to the side, and instead the priestly function went to the Levitical priesthood, to the Levites, because they were the ones who stood with Moses um, after the golden calf incident, and um, all the... all idolaters were slayed with the sword. So the accusation against Jacob is he's a trickster and he's a deceiver. Is that really true? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 25. And when Jacob and Esau are still in the womb of Rebekah, God speaks to her because she feels the twins struggling within her. In verse 22, chapter 25, verse 22, the children struggled in her womb, and she said, If so, why do I exist? She went to inquire of the Lord. And in verse 23, the Lord answers her, Two nations are in your womb. Two separate peoples shall issue from your body. One people shall be mightier than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. This is what God told her. The older will serve the younger. So Rebecca was actually following instructions from the Lord. If the blessing had gone to Esau, it would have been all backwards. So when Jacob puts a blessing, or when Isaac puts a blessing upon his son Jacob, here's what his blessing says in chapter 20. 7 verse 29 Isaac says here's the blessing verse 29 let peoples serve you and nations bow to you be master over your brothers and let your mother's sons bow to you cursed be they who curse you blessed be they who bless you So the very thing that God prophesied to Rebekah while the two twins were still in the womb is exactly uh, what was spoken as a blessing through Isaac the father to his son Jacob. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy that came straight from the heart of God. Why? Well, in the New Testament, God says in several different places, Jacob have I loved, Esau 
have I hated. Now remember, Jacob and Esau and their struggle, the hatred that Esau has for Jacob, his heart to take revenge, his heart to murder his brother, that these two sons become two nations, a Jacob nation, um, a nation of peoples that come forth from Jacob, and a nation of peoples that are of the Esau spirit. And that this spirit of Jacob versus Esau is is going to come upon the earth and will most definitely manifest in the end days. So the people of Jacob, the spirit of Jacob, are the people who love the word of God, who love the Torah, who study the word of God, who hide it in their heart, and who whose hearts are inclined to follow the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are, whose hearts are inclined to follow Yeshua by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's the Jacob spirit. What is the Esau spirit? Okay, so the Esau spirit, it's bloody. It's murderous. It's um, fleshly. It's worldly. It's self-centered and selfish. It's prideful and arrogant. And the spirit of Esau hates the spirit of Jacob afflicts Jacob, torments him, uh, persecutes him, and wants to kill him. So how does that manifest today? Well, people who are really into abortion, who have blood upon their hands, people who hate God, people who are in the world and worldly, people who are prideful, people who want to wipe out the people of faith, wipe them out. Wipe out Israel off the map, is what the leaders of Iran say many times. So this end-time spiritual warfare struggle is going to happen in the end of days, and it's really between the spirit and the people of Jacob versus the spirit and the people of Esau. So, uh, what does... Uh, Isaac say over his son Esau because the big blessing has now been given to Jacob. And so Isaac says to Esau in chapter 27 verse 40 Yet by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restive you shall break his yoke from your neck. So when that yoke gets breaking from his neck, what does that look like? Well, it looks like it's a war. And we're seeing riots now in the cities. We're seeing all kinds of pushback. We're seeing protests. Um, We're seeing all kinds of conflict going on in the world. And at its heart and at its root, it's the struggle and the conflict between the spirit of Jacob and the spirit of Esau. So now Jacob flees. Upon the advice of his mother and father, he flees and he's going to go back to the country where Abraham came from, to his uncle Laban. And on his journey there, he flees because Esau wants to kill him now. He's got so much rage and anger and murder in his heart. So he flees. And as he flees, he stops at a certain place. And that evening, he lays down a stone under his head. And then he has a dream. And in the dream, he sees a ladder going from earth to heaven and angels 
ascending and descending up and down this ladder. And in this dream, the stairway is set on the ground, its top reached to the sky, and the angels of God were going up and down on it. And so, in chapter 28, verse 11, it is written, He came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night, for the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse is very interesting and insightful. This is what it says, Where is the place that Jacob slept? American Congregational Rabbi David Stavsky explained in one of his High Holy Day sermons that the Hebrew word used in this verse is Ba Makam, upon the place, not Be Makam, upon a place. The use of the definite article means this refers to the most important spot in the entire world. As Rabbi Stavsky said, Jacob came upon the place where Jacob's father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham had built an altar, the place where Isaac was bound to the altar, that place which for centuries has tied us to Hashem, Hamakom, the place, was Mount Moriah eventually to become the heart and soul of Jerusalem, and it was as if a magnet had drawn young Jacob to wander the hot desert that night to that particular place. And dear friends, I dare say that whatever force pulled Jacob to that place that night pulls you and me to that place. It is a deep, mystical pull. It is holiness. Continuing on in chapter 28, verse 17, it is written, Shaken, he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the abode of Hashem, and that is the gateway to heaven. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. According to Rashi, these words refer to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He explains that the foot of the ladder in Jacob's dream was in Beersheba, and its head was in Bethel. Therefore, the middle of the ladder hung over Mount Moriah, and the intensity of that encounter with Hashem occurred in that spot. When Jacob awakens, he realizes that he had seen no ordinary place but the abode of Hashem, the most intimate spot for prayers to ascend heavenward, and the site where the Beit Hamikdash, the temple, would later stand. The Beit Hamikdash is referred to as abode or house because in the temple, Hashem's revealed presence, the Shekinah, dwells with his people, just as a husband dwells intimately with his wife in their home. In Let's continue on. Genesis chapter 28, verse 19. He named that site Bethel, or Beit El. But previously the name of the city had been Luz. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. When Jacob arrives in Bethel, the city near which his grandfather Abraham called to Hashem for the first time in the land of Israel, he recognizes its unique spiritual character. From that moment on, Beit El, or Bethel, appears throughout the Bible as a special location for prayer. The Hebrew name Beit El means the house of the Lord and signifies its powerful purpose. Rabbi Zalman Zoratskin explains that a home protects a person from the elements, extreme temperatures, and rain. 
Similarly, we are meant to view the house of the Lord as a safe haven, protecting us from danger, and therefore an ideal location for coming close to God. Now let's turn to Ezekiel, and I want to look at Ezekiel chapter 11 with you. And we'll start in verse 8. And Hashem is naming the judgments that are going to come upon the nation of Israel for their sins, iniquities, and abominations, and idolatries. And in verse 8, he says, You feared the sword, and the sword I will bring upon you, declares Hashem. Verse 12, Then you shall know that I am Hashem, whose laws you did not follow, and whose rules you did not obey, acting instead according to the rules of the nations around you. That is the heart of humanism, to do whatever you think is right in your own eyes, rather than allowing the word of God to be your moral compass. Verse 16, Say then, Thus says Hashem, I have indeed removed them far among the nations, and have scattered them among the countries, and I have become to them a diminished sanctity in the countries where they have gone. Yet say, thus says Hashem, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and they shall return there and do away with all its detestable things and all its abominations. I want to speak to that. This is a huge and a profound word, and you will find it repeated over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. It's the uh, principle that the people of God, both northern and southern kingdom, house of Israel, northern kingdom, house of Judah, southern kingdom, were kicked out of the land because of their sin, but God promises to end the exile and to return them back to the land of Israel. So he's doing this in stages and in steps. It's not happening all suddenly all at once. The southern kingdom, Judah, the Jews, have Many of them, not all, but many of them have returned to the land ever since Israel became a state in May of 1948. There's about 6 million Jews now that live in Israel, and perhaps maybe 5 million that live out in the diaspora and amongst the nations. But that's only the southern kingdom, the house of Judah. The northern kingdom the house of Israel, or also known as Ephraim or Joseph, they are still scattered to all the nations, and they may have visited Israel as a tourist, but they have not been allowed to return as residents, not yet. But God is promising that he's going to return all of his people home to the land of Israel, all 12 tribes. And so the northern kingdom... The Ten Tribes of the North is the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. That would be you and me, my friend. He's promising that there's a day coming when we will come out of our exile in the nations and we will once again get to live in the land of Israel. And so this, this theme is peppered throughout the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament. And 
increasingly we are finding as the beast system is being constructed and the foundations of it is coming together, the infrastructure is being laid out, that the nations have become hostile to the people of God, to the people of faith, and that we are now living in the land of our enemies that they want to silence us, quarantine us, shut us down, not allow us to assemble, not allow us to come together as the people of God, um, to assemble as a faith community. Um, They want us to take the jab. It's really become a land of our enemies. And so... And so it becomes more and more uncomfortable to be living out in the nations, and um, it's part of what I believe God is doing to take his spiritual shovel, so to speak, and to start digging up around the roots of the trees. The people are like trees, and he's going to take his spiritual shovel and dig up around the roots so that the trees can be transplanted, so that the trees can be moved and replanted in the land of Israel where they belong. And so he makes things uncomfortable for us so that we're willing to leave when it's time to leave. If we're too comfortable, we're not going to go. It's like, no, land is good in the land of Egypt. Land is good in the uh, land of uh, Babylon. Let's continue now in Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20. I will give them one heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh that they may follow my laws and faithfully observe my rules. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. What got the people of God kicked out of the land of Israel? Not following his Torah. What will be our entrance ticket into the land of Israel? Following his Torah by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's what is the precursor or the uh, it's the prerequisite that's what gives you entrance into the land is that you are following his torah by the power of the holy spirit and again when i say torah i don't just mean the first five books of the bible i mean all of the bible cover to cover genesis to revelation because yeshua is the torah made flesh and so in verses 24 and 25, it concludes in this chapter, A spirit carried me away and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exile community in Chaldea. Then the vision that I had seen left me, and I told the exiles all the things that Hashem had shown me. So this is a very hopeful thing. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse is really uplifting and encouraging and gives hope. And so what it says is this, Hashem promises that though he has exiled the children of Israel, and that includes Northern Kingdom, the 10 tribes of the North, that includes you and me, and he has scattered them among the nations, in the future, he will gather and redeem them. I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. In this verse, Ezekiel shares God's promise with the children of Israel already in captivity, giving them hope for the future. The Hebrew word for captivity or exile found in this verse is gola, while the term for redemption is gula. 
Rabbi Benjamin Black notes that the two words are spelled almost identically, with the only difference between them being the single letter Aleph. The numerical value of the Aleph is one, representing the one true God who must be incorporated into the mentality of the Gola, exile, in order to bring about the Gula, redemption. Look up, for your redemption draws near. Hallelujah. Have a blessed day. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.